My name is Caroline Jane Miller, and um, this is the podcast. The Brew Theology Podcast. Thanks, Caroline Jane Miller. Tonight, Janelle and I are with Josh and Sawyer talking about Agnostic Awakening, written by Josh Hogue. But we are drinking some alcoholic beverages for adults tonight. Caroline is not. She's uh, actually should be in bed, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> On what question did you come here down here to ask your dad? Will you tell him? Um, to see if my new doll needs to go to the doll hospital. Oh. There's a new doll that just arrived. 35 years old. Has some joint issues, a little loose, just like the rest of us here around the table. That's what happens when you get older. <laughs> Got to go see the doctor. Maybe, maybe do some stretching, lift some weights, do some yoga. It happens in life. Also, that's what happens to you when you've had a theology throughout time that is somehow cracking and deteriorating. <laughs> maybe it's like a house of cards and you have this awakening. So tonight we are talking about an agnostic awakening. We have some conversational guidelines that we're going to go through with you tonight. And before we get to that and the content, any announcements? No, I don't think so. Also, other chapters across the country, if, if you want to start one, there's there's quite a few, actually. You can go to brewtheology.org. You can look at the information there. You can also go and you can email Janelle or Ryan at brewtheology.org and find out more information about what yep. that would look like for you. Absolutely. And we have a leader's guide. We have feels like a gazillion years of curriculum now so we have lots of stuff we even have a moderator guide which we need yep. to give out to moderators i always forget like it's there we should ha- <laughs> i need to put it in the handbook and uh yeah also you, you, know, you can be part of the brew theology leadership network and we can bounce ideas off each other and figure out what works and what doesn't work and you hear crazy stories that happens and you're like wow that's never happened here but let's talk about it <laughs> you'd be surprised at things that can happen Okay, I'm going to put this kid to bed, and you guys can keep going. All right. All right, well, our curriculum tonight was written by Josh Hogue, and so we're gonna, I'm going to let you walk us through it, however much or little you want to do, and then we'll start the questions, okay? So my name is Joshua. Um, the content tonight is titled Agnostic Awakening, and I got the idea from a book that I'm writing with the same title. Agnosticism for me was actually found in this group, in the Brew Theology setting. Some of you may remember back um, several podcasts ago, I introduced myself as an optimistic agnostic, um, and I got that from the group and learning about myself through my deconstruction I kind of have come to a place where um, agnosticism seems to resonate with all the people around me. Um, Everywhere I go in life, all the people I talk to and meet, um, they don't know the word agnostic, but the way they describe how they feel about the divine or how they feel about life sounds very agnostic. And whenever I usually open up dialogue about my idea and understanding of agnosticism, I get a an agreeance, like people just agree and understand. And that's been kind of a unique experience for me. And, um, yeah, it's kind of led me to try to understand it a little bit more. And I truly believe that for us in this world today, the future of religion and spirituality, spirituality really lies in agnosticism, um, because it's an acceptance of mystery. It's an acceptance of unknowing 
but it's also an openness to that unknowing and acceptance of what could be. And I think that's really important moving into a world where global crisis is at our fingertips in all sorts of ways, whether we talk about climate, whether we talk about the tensions from, you know, between the different countries, there's just so much, there's so much tension in the world that, um, I've been wrestling with the idea of how, how could we unite? How could we bring the world together? And, uh, it's a big question that, um, I alone could never answer. Um, but I I feel like my part in it is to help people find a space, uh, a new label, a place where they could come and find community and spirituality and not feel like they have to, you know, be a part of a religion. So good stuff. Well, we're going to introduce the rest of us as Janelle and I have shared our story many times. We have a new guest tonight. His name is Sawyer. So we'll start with Sawyer and then Janelle and I, I don't even, do we even need to say anything? For first time listeners will be like, who is Janelle and Ryan? <laughs> um, so just my name and what else? My spiritual background? Yeah. Where you, where you would be now and yeah, yeah yeah um so I mean this is a this is a good topic for me because I am agnostic so I I grew up uh, Christian sort of middle of the road between conservative and liberal um, and I went all into it in high school and college and then around the end of college is sort of uh, long story short I guess found out it wasn't really for me and now I'm, I'm, I'm still really interested in Christianity and um, what's going on in the Christian world and um, all that stuff but yeah I think I'm more interested in like I guess like how our beliefs affect us versus like the beliefs themselves um, and so yeah uh, I would say agnostic now post-Christian Awesome. Always good to have new people. And this guy, Sawyer, he's a, uh, a boulderite. They call you guys boulderites up there, up yonder. Yeah. And, yeah. And Janelle, not far from, from your hood. No. no. So um, I'm currently, by the way, watching game one of the World Series. So I will, I will be distracted a bit. It is 2-2 right now. By the time you listen to this, we will already have a World Series champion. It's going to be the Houston Astros, no doubt about that. You've not had somebody with this kind of odds in Vegas since, what, 2007. And the team that won that year swept our Colorado Rockies here in Denver, from what I remember. Was that 2007? Was that the Rockies and the Red Sox? I think it was like the last of the biggest like, margin in Vegas for you know the odds to win a World Series. Anyway, so part of my label is that I'm a sports fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny, like, you know, Josh said, you got to share your label. And, and I currently am an Anabaptist method, you costal, but like, what, is, what does that even mean? It just means throughout the years I've gleaned from these different traditions. And I don't think I'm ever going to let go of the Christian label, even though I want to uh, punch a lot of Christians, even though I'm not a violent man. I'm not. I'm actually a chosen pacifist, but the older I get, man, I'm like, I really want to punch people. Um, like our friend Andy's, like, he's like, punch a Nazi, you know? He's like, why not? good for the world <laughs> might be good for you too. could be therapeutic. 
So I really enjoy interfaith dialogue, interfaith community these days. I feel like beyond labels, and you had said it, Sawyer, like uh, it's not so much the belief as what the belief does to you. And uh, that's critical with how we live our lives. And so, so often we're married to a creed and, and the creed has no relevance whatsoever in our day-to-day functions of, of the world that we live in. So this topic tonight, I think, does wake you up to how you live your life. So I appreciate Josh and all that you put into this. Thanks. Uh, I'm Janelle, and I was uh, born and raised in the Church of the Nazarene and walked away from that about seven years ago when we moved to Colorado. And as many of you know, have for a long, long time worn the label of progressive Christian. And no, Josh, I'm not kidding you when I say this. Um, So I just went to a conference a couple weeks ago and got to hear Pete Enns is one of the speakers there, and he talked a lot about his label, which is agnostic Christian, in that um, I don't really have a lot of answers, I don't really have an affiliation, and um, a lot of it, the more you read, the more you learn, the more you see behavior, the more confusing it gets. And so I'm currently in a season of being an agnostic Christian. So there's that. The listeners are going to have a little moment of silence for that right there. I don't know. Actually, most of the listeners are probably going, holla freaking Louia. She finally said it. Ryan, when are you going to say it? And it's okay. You know, whether we say it or we don't, you guys, if you're listening, we appreciate you guys' community and hopefully you can, you know, journey as online listeners through that process. So, yeah. You know, today, today it's funny. I got a flu shot today because I'm convinced that whatever they put in my body is actually going to help society. So, you know, it's, so it's funny about that. Yeah, it is like, okay, they're going to put something in me. Don't know what it is. Like have, I'm not a scientist, but I trust it. Right. There's something about that in theology. Like you're, 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 you're breathing something in this, whatever the pastor's saying. And so often like people have not done any kind of research at all of what the guy is saying, but for whatever reason it's going to save me and save society. That's how I think tonight's topic should, should kind of look like we, 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 right. I mean, Josh, I don't know, like you start as, as this Christian and, you know, because that's what your, your family says, that's what your pastor says. It's just, that's, that's the life that you live, but then you get woke someday. Now I'm not, I'm not going to make the transition. The analogy is going to fall short with the flu shot. I'm going to leave the flu shot alone. <laughs> just, that was my intro. <laughs> uh, I'm curious how you got here. And then we'll dive into the questions and we'll get to the guidelines after, after we hear from you here, because this is very personal to you. Yeah. So <clears throat> everybody who's in our, our Denver group really knows um, my old label that I like to say I came from is Trump Christian. And the reason I say that is because I felt like my family growing up was more political than Christian. Um, they were very Christian, but politics drove the Christianity that I was familiar with. Um, I knew Rush Limbaugh a lot more than I knew famous pastors, and that's just the way it was. So the two politics and and religion were very intertwined for me. There was no difference. They went hand in hand. They both described the way the world works, and anybody in opposition just didn't understand the way the world works. And so that's kind of the way I was brought up. I kind of like strayed away from my faith, you know, like a lot of teenagers do and, you know, left it for a little while when I went to college and then came back. But when I came back, I tried to own it for myself. 
I didn't know where to go. So I just went back to the faith that I knew and I owned it as my own Christian faith for about mm, four years. Um, and in that time I met a lot of friends. I found a home church. I met my wife and you know, my life was kicked off and I had my own Christian life and it was kind of ironic because right after I got married, shit hit the fan (laughs) in my faith that goes, um, it wasn't even six months into our marriage that, um, we had a crazy experience with some friends of ours that not knowing what else to call it, it was, uh, a resemblance of like an exorcism that you would hear about in movies or in, in stories. And it really shook me because I've never seen anything like that and I didn't know what to do with it. Um, but that kind of started the deconstruction that I had because once I started asking questions about that, I never stopped asking questions. And soon after, um, I, I found myself, you know, really exploring the Jewish side of the Christian faith. Um, I found myself in a Hebrew roots group for about a year and a half, which was awesome. I had a lot of fun cause I felt like I found the missing piece. I was like, Oh my God, Christians don't know Jack about the Bible <laughs> because I mean, the Torah is such a, an integral part of the story of Jesus and the story of the new Testament. Like you can't have one without the other. Um, in fact, to match my cross tattoo on my face, I went and got a Torah tattoo (laughs) and it was because I thought I found the balance that I needed. But like I said, it only lasted about a year and a half. And then I started falling again, um, and trying to grasp for other ideas and other religions. Um, I was very blessed to find this group because this group really helped me explore Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, a lot of the other bigger religions, um, and in doing that, instead of swinging to another religion, I found my home in agnosticism. I found my new family. And um, every week coming to the different pubs around Denver, it's been like my replacement for church. It's been my community. It's been my, my solace where I could bring my questions and I can bring my new ideas and never feel judged and, you know, and also never feel like I need to judge another person. We've had so many different people from different faiths and no faith at all. Many atheists in our group. And there's never strong disagreements and arguments that break out. It's just, it's a, it's a safe place. And um, in trying to describe that and, and really figure out who I am, I came upon agnosticism. I came upon being able to accept that yeah, I believe there's something, but I don't have to define it. And because of that, it leaves me open to anybody and everybody around me. Um, I feel like my relationships with people are much richer. I'm, I still got a ways to go with my old Christian relationships, especially the ones with my family. But as far as every other relationship in my life, it's just so much more rich and full and yeah, I'm just grateful for it. I'm grateful to be open to whatever comes my way as far as like understanding goes. I love changing my mind now. <laughs> I love hearing something that challenges me and really like exploring the depths of where, you know, an idea can go. So yeah, I'd say I, I've literally completely changed as a person and I'm definitely more liberal in my thoughts. <laughs> um, I could never probably be a liberal politically, but um, 
that's just because I think going, being on the right, the far right for so long, I know the dangers of being far anything. And so, but yeah, I mean, you wouldn't recognize me if you knew me back in the day. I actually, I actually want to add something quick to that because I think what you're talking about with like, um, the, I don't think it's true for like agnostics, like purely agnostic. Like I think like you can be of any faith and have that experience of like, Oh, now I like feel like I'm relating to people on a more human level, but I totally resonate when I shifted from my Christian beliefs to agnosticism or I don't know if that's the, <laughs> but when I, when I, uh, I guess became more agnostic in, in my beliefs, I think I also felt like I, I was like relating to people and could make connections with people that that wasn't based off of like trying to get them into this like Christian group so they could be saved or whatever the motive was that traces far beyond what I can comprehend there. But yeah, I totally, I get that. We have guidelines that keep us squared away on the straight and narrow. No soapboxes allowed. Nobody gets the last word. Please be passionate by the way, respect all others and the viewpoints extend courtesy by listening. Well, Everything is up for discussion, which will happen tonight, and I have said this so many times, and I'll say it again. Third time to have this conversation, this specific one on this topic. The last two weeks at the pub, completely different conversations, totally different group dynamics, and I loved both experiences, but I, it's like, hey, which one do you like better? I don't know. They were just different, and they were rich. So tonight, I expect the same. And I think that's the beauty of what we do here. And if you're listening out there right now, if you find yourself in a pub with a bunch of people, hopefully your conversations aren't the same. You don't copy and paste them. We have the same content and yet and the same questions even. It's just the, uh, how, how it goes, how, how the night flows. It's beautiful. So thanks again, Josh, for the content. We're not going to be a jerk. We don't even have to say that tonight. Um, we're not going to be a jerk to each other. Josh already said that. Never. <laughs> I say... There's never, there's never a time when someone's a jerk. Well, there's a few times, but you know, a couple. Hey, in Denver, we've been doing this for over five, about five years now, you know, so that's pretty good. We got some good stats. Yeah. We're Hall of Famers and with, the, with these kind of baseball stats right now. Does the idea of agnosticism challenge you? Why, why not? Uh, yes, I think that... Um we, we talked about this at our table last week, especially for people coming out of Christianity. The word agnosticism has been made to be very scary um, and ha- is treated in exactly the same vein as being atheist. That if you take a questioning stance, then you clearly don't believe in God. And so I think the challenge is that as our views change and widen, we also have to confront our bias against certain labels and and to ask them what are they really about and i think that the honesty of agnosticism is that we can ask questions and it is okay and the gospel of james will not light up in flames because we're asking questions and having doubts um you know the god of the universe is stronger than that his uh connection to all of us is greater than our questions and so I think it can be really challenging to not only uh, finally use that word, but then to accept that into a lifestyle. Because uh, at least in my tradition and for many post-evangelicals that I know, 
there has always been a great level of certainty about what you do with your time, who your friends are, where you go, what you do, what you wear. Like all of that is laid out and it's very certain. And to walk into a place of uncertainty uh, can be really scary and really confusing. Anybody at this table read the book, The Shack? Yeah. Yes. No. (laughs) So I bring it up because um, it was a critical, it was a critical point in my, in my faith journey. It happened right in the beginning of my deconstruction, but just seeing like going into the book, it had already been out for a long time and there was a lot of negative from mainstream Christianity so about it. So negative. <laughs> we actually, I yeah. remember we had a meeting about this when I fir- first started my seminary degree. There was like a meeting about whether or not we should be reading The Shack. So that, it's a big deal. And I could not, I could not, I had I had to be true to myself in, in saying that like that book resonated with me more than any other book Christian book I'd ever read because what it did was it took these these norms that we have about the way we think about God just in gender like just take the gender portion of that book and it challenges you in a way that will make you uncomfortable and if you can get through that and make it past that uncomfort it's like the most comfortable feeling in the world to think of God as a mother and not just a father is fascinating. Um, so that book really, it, it opened doors wide open for me um, because growing up, that, that was my experience with my mother. She was just the most comforting person in the world. I mean, she, she to this day is one of the most loving, caring people I've ever met. Um, and so to finally actually be open to to a God that is not like, a ruler, um, a, a overlord trying to control you. And in that, like, but to think of it as like a comforter, a, you know, just, just that mother figure was so beautiful to me. Um, and, and to this day, it really helps me in taking away gender from our creator, from, from whatever our source is. Um, because that's so damaging. I think that's probably one of the most damaging things Christianity has to offer is they force us into a corner of seeing God as a male. And because the world at large throughout history has had such a domineering male figure in, in power. Um, I mean, why are we, why, why should we be surprised that our God looks the same? Yeah. How is agnosticism a challenge to you two or is it? Yeah. I mean, I like, I don't, I'm not sure. I think it sort of was when I first claimed the term, I don't think I claimed, I think what I first did when I became, I guess what would be called agnostic was, was I said to myself, like, I'm going to try not believing in God or, or participating in faith in the way that I think I'm supposed to. Um, and then I think out of that, I sort of realized, Oh, like, this, this is okay to, to not have to like be constantly like pursuing like a prayer for life every day and living by like certain moral standards that maybe aren't that like true or need to be upheld. And yeah, I I think like maybe what still challenges me about agnosticism is like, I think there's so much 
it's sort of like a catch-all for a lot of different uh, gradients of faith. Like, because I even think what you're talking about, like, like the fact that um, your deconstruction was almost spurred by a spiritual moment, I think is really interesting because for me, it was like the exact opposite. I like looked around and I was like, this seems spiritually dead to me. Like not that, not really spiritually dead, but it's just like, I didn't think that there was a difference between like a spiritual realm or a, or a like psychological or material realm or whatever. I was like, so I think in my life I was like, you know what? I think this stuff could be the same thing. And I think now a couple of years later, having been, I guess, agnostic for that time, I think I just settle in like, uh, there isn't like spirituality or spirituality and, and, or maybe there is, but we're like, whatever we're talking about psychologically or, um, psychoanalytically is sort of the same thing. Um, so I guess it's really semantics on that terms, but like, yeah, in terms of what challenges me about agnosticism, I just think like it's, I mean, even in Christianity, it's hard to be like, this is what a Christian is, but I think agnostic is, is also the same way where it's like, uh, I still don't know what you are, if you're an agnostic. but, um, I think that's also really cool. Yeah. So agnosticism is really to, to not know. I don't know. And I think that's what was worrisome way back in the day when this, this term, I first came across it and we all probably did at some point in high school. So, oh, there's an agnostic kid. I mean, I went to a private school, a Baptist school, Christian school. So, you know, nobody's going to say they're agnostic or atheist. But then there may be the one kid who's like, fuck the system. I'm agnostic. And I, now they're not going to say that out loud to the teachers and the staff and the faculty. But the rest of us students know. And so you're intrigued by this fella. And, but initially you think it's somebody who just throws away life and belief and, and all that matters. So, I mean, and so the, the first thing that challenged me years ago was that, well, this must be somebody who just doesn't, you know, doesn't have any sort of respect for, for God, which they don't have respect for God and they don't have respect for, you know, for life in and of itself, for the fact that they were born on this planet and all, and all that, that, you know, kind of leads itself to. And so agnosticism then eventually when I started to look at it more deeply was, and this is funny, it's not that many years later, right? You're like maybe early years in college, you're thinking, well, it's just lazy people. It's just people who haven't made up their mind, you know? And so then it challenged me at that point thinking, can't they just make up their mind? And I'm going to be honest. I mean, as somebody who grew up in a very binary world, not blaming parents not blaming my, my church. It's just, I think the world that I grew up in, it's just, it's, it's a lot of the world that many people out there grew up in very binary world that we live in. So I just couldn't understand like how, how this could exist. And then you reach an age in life where you're like, wow, there's a lot of church history out there, even within our own Christianity, not to mention like, I haven't even gotten to Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism. So Jesus was a Jew. Come on now, that blew my mind. So I think, you know, Josh, I mean, very similar to you. I mean, when I got into the Hebrew roots of, of the Christian faith, I think agnosticism really just, it came in naturally. I, I didn't, I wouldn't have put that label on it, but looking back in, in hindsight, like, yeah, clearly that was agnosticism because all that I knew about Christianity was crumbling when I saw Jesus as a Jew in a, and he was deconstructing his own Jewish world in the first century. So 
it should challenge you. At first, it should. And it, it should continue to, to challenge you, whatever context you're in. I think agnosticism is a, it's a, it's a beautiful mystery. And I, you know, that's a big part of your content here is the mystery is what actually gets at your heart of hearts. I think you have to, you have to unbuckle, well, unbuckle that safety belt. <laughs> we want to, we want to, you know, we want to click in and like, I'm, I got, I, I don't want to crash and burn. I don't want to die here. Isn't that what it is? Isn't, isn't that what like certainty is? Put the safety belt on. I can't, I can't die. I think that's super interesting because like now thinking like what you just said really makes me like think back to like the, the stages of what I thought about agnosticism too. And I think at one point it was like, I remember like pastors telling me like, you're going to have to pick a side eventually. And if you don't pick a side, like you're still picking a side or something, you know? Um, but I do think like in a lot of ways, um, I th- like I think what I would say to like a fundamental Christian who doesn't um, or who still maybe thinks agnosticism is that like is you're just like, you know, pushing this decision farther along down the road or something like I think for me, it came it came out of like a oh well, it's like, well, I, I still participate in Christianity in the traditional way that I'm doing it or I'm like more openly honest, you know, about how I believe. And so it, it was almost an extension of following what I thought was uh, this Christian path or something like that. Yeah. Does the Christian path lead to agnosticism? Mic drop. <laughs> That's what I'm arguing. <laughs> um, well, they don't, they didn't know about Jesus. I mean, in all seriousness, like they didn't know what had happened to him. They didn't understand what he was when he came back. Like there were a whole lot of questions flying around from then on and then he left in this weird way that leaves a lot of questions and I don't knows and I think that's really interesting. I can't get away from the fact that Jesus himself tried to make it as clear as he could not to to lift him up, not to worship him, not to make him the object of our affection. Like everything he did was like it's not me. It's not me. It's not me. And as soon as he left, it was like, let's make a religion about him. <laughs> so, I mean, it makes sense. Um, just looking at human history, why we would do that. Um, but that's that's the call that I'm making is if you want to really get into Jesus. And I, and I, I really I, I try not to have a bias against the character of Jesus because I don't have beef with that character necessarily. Um, I got beef with the establishment. I got beef with Christianity and what it's become. I really do. Um, and I think it that Jesus would be ashamed if he were to see it nowadays in a lot of ways. So I really do want to challenge people to take their certainties and their assumptions and hold them up and allow them to be questioned, allow them to be put into the fire and see if they stand. Because that when I did that, when I took my certainties and was like, you know, what would happen if this wasn't true? I was shocked at how quickly some of them burned to ashes. I was shocked. Um, so, I mean, I, I really like, I've, I've wrestled with the idea of creating the subtitle of my book and just calling it a book about questions <laughs> because like, that's really it. Like, I don't want to tell anybody what they should think. I just want to tell people it's okay to have questions. 
Um, because for me growing up, questioning certain things was prohibited. You don't question whether hell is real or not. That's God's thing. Like he made that. You don't question that. So dad, is my friend going to hell because they don't believe in Christ? I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Like you just don't question that stuff. And that's, and to me, that's wrong. Like if something doesn't sit right with you, you should be okay. You should feel okay questioning it no matter who you are. And so I really like, I think we need to create space as a society for people to bring those questions that they have as a child. They have like in their heart of hearts and they want to ask and, and create a space for them to ask those and really find their own answer because it might not be the same for everybody, you know? So speaking of everybody around the table right now, I'm curious about your own, your own journey, your own spiritual journey. And we've got into some of that, but like what aspects of the deity that you once ascribed to this intellectual ascent, if you will, and the first one that you took away and the second one, and then like the first one may have been like very hard because it was the first one, but it was easy. Yeah. I mean, because it was the, maybe the last one for you, Josh was like the heart, like this is it. This is, is it, is it omnipotence? So like, you know, we were somehow taught that God is this omnipotent being is it, was, is it maybe the aspect of how the atonement works out and plays out and how you're saved? Is it that Jesus is the son of God? And that means that like he is God based on that understanding I'm just kind of curious what that looks like for y'all in your own journeys. Cause you're all, you've clearly like, you've done a lot of deconstructing since then, but it wasn't an overnight thing. It's not like you woke up a morning and said, well, I don't believe God's omnipotent, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love this. This is a great question because there's so many for me. And with all due respect, I'd actually like to address the the middle question for me. The one that happened right smack dab in the middle of my deconstruction because it really, I feel like changed things more than any other question I've had. And that question was, is God in control? Because I always attributed my life and God and the relationship there to God is in control to some aspect. And I have to submit to that control. And when I questioned that for the first time and I opened that door, it changed everything for me because when I started to, to, to say, what if he doesn't have control over my life? What if I'm in control of my life? And what if I'm in control of how my life turns out? Then, then things really started to change. Then I really started to address deep rooted pain, deep rooted issues, deep rooted hurts that I would never touch because of that. Um, so for me, that was a huge one. I mean, that was huge to, to say, you know, maybe God's not in control. Um, and, and to this day, I, I definitely can't attribute control to a being anymore over my life. I definitely, um, ascribe to a sovereignty over my life and a ability to, to really create my life in a way that I never would have before. I would have just submitted to what others thought or others would, you know, tell me my life should look like. Um, so yeah, that was a huge one for me. I think it's hard for me to pick one thing, but I guess where I would, I guess in hindsight now I would say that it has a lot to do with, um, kind of the way that the system of the church works. And so trying to be succinct, um, 
when when I got my call to ministry, my husband also got a separate call to ministry. And from that moment on, we were both constantly questioned about whether those were both legitimate calls to ministry. And so my husband, being um, the noble and loving and loyal husband that he is, who cares about me and cares about women's equality, put me through seminary first. And what became really frustrating was that even though I had earned my degree and was ready to go, there was never a place for me. There was never a paid position for me. Um, to the point where we were told, well, once Baird finishes his degree, you'll have a place that you can go. And I think that that, I couldn't have named that at the time. All I could tell you was I was really angry. And my friends around the table, except Sawyer, you'll learn, know that I do get angry and about things like this. And so I had all this anger that had, that just kept building, but I didn't know why. I was so frustrated. I mean, I was so for the best of my assessment, so faithful. I was, I volunteered 10 to 20 hours a week for over a decade and never got paid. And I, I mean, we did inner city ministry. We did local ministry. We did Sunday school. We did boards. We, we did whatever they asked and it was never enough. And, um, then I went through this thing called focus and, um, it helped me see that there were a lot of expectations that I had on me, but also that the church had been placing on me with this answer to the call. And um, as I think as that started to not just fall apart, but as I started analyzing like what the hell is going on, why is this so easy for some people and it's so impossible for other people and why are some of my friends who are the smartest, most faithful people I know living on food stamps and their churches can't pay them, barely getting by? And these other people that were just honestly mediocre in school are getting large churches. And so is that as I was observing that system problem, um, it really came to a head of either it's either going to be Jesus or the system. Because if I hold on to this system, I'm probably going to lose him. And um, so then as I started learning about unconscious bias and systemic bias and discrimination, starting to see a, a more whole picture of what was going on in the system I was in. Um, and I think that w with that comes then, why doesn't God fix this? Well, because it's a human system and they're telling people, lies to get them to come do this thing. Um, there's been a big controversy this week. This will be old news by the time you hear it about some uh, well-known uh, reformed pastors that basically recorded a video telling Beth Moore to go home and get away from the pulpit. That behavior is so destructive and that behavior dominates the system and there comes a point for many people, men and women, including in Ryan, this was a choice Ryan made and he's talked about where I can't support that system anymore. And so if I'm going to believe in this Christian thing, I'm going to have to find another way to do this. And that's either with people that support me or not. And sorry, this is so rambly. It's, it's just, it's really tied in there. And I didn't know that at the time, like 10 years ago, I couldn't have really pointed at that, but 
when you see this kind of um, game playing and old boys club and just straight up discrimination and abuse happening and you start naming it, then it really becomes a matter of is this thing and Jesus, are they the same thing? And they're not. But then the damage is done. It's hard. I feel like for me, um, I think one of the first things was definitely you're talking about like this. Uh, there we go. <laughs> you're talking about this like system. Um, I think one of the one of the, th- the things that I saw where I was like I felt like I was being forced or urged to participate in a system was like the very. It was I guess you can call it like Christianese. Like I remember going into college. And people being like, Jesus told me to do this. And Jesus told me to do that. And I'm like, how is that happening? Like, and I was like very <laughs> literal about it. I was like, I was like, I was like, what is going on? Like, am I not doing this? Do I need to, I was like, my conclusion was like, I'm, I'm like not spiritual enough. Like I need to go in a closet and like pray or something. <laughs> like I need, cause like people are hearing from Jesus and I'm not hearing from Jesus. Um, and then I, but then, but then like I started seeing like, you know, I never really got to that certainty of, of, uh, moral or like di- moral direction or like, and I felt like, like where we, where we're being directed in our lives was, was very like confirmation biasy, where it's like, like, yeah, I think God's really telling me to do this. And then if it happens and it's like, man, that was like, God was in that. And if it doesn't happen, it's like, God is in that. I mean, it's, it's just like, what? It's like, that's so confusing to me. Like, so that was a, that was a big thing. Just like how we talk about God, um, really threw me off. Um, and, and I think another, another big one was like the, like authority of the Bible. Um, so I think that, that was like, that one was like lingered ever since I started like being a, being a Christian, like in high school, like serious Christian in high school, but we're like, there's this thing that we point to at certain times to uh, confirm our beliefs, and then at other times we like we don't like we don't we don't use it. Like I don't know. So I just it, like I can get down with you know uh, inspired. Maybe I, I can't get down with like God wrote this book. It's like obviously not. Like you know like. Um, it was, it was written like, that's the thing where it's like, it's like, I I think it almost comes down to language for me where it's like, we're talking about, um, you know, Jesus told me this or, or God wrote or, or versus like humans writing this or humans saying this thing. And I think at some point too, I was, I was starting to think like at some point, like the human is, is mediating between this like divine source and you know, the congregation. And it's like, well, if, you know, if I'm being told to just like have faith and, and trust and like, uh, not let, let like what I'm feeling on the inside, like be what I live out and like be my authentic self. Like who is doing that along the way? Like, is it the pastor that's like making these like authoritative decisions? And then like, we're just transferring all of our like belief and authority onto this, like, figurehead of of for me it was young life like i don't know if her name dropping here but yeah but um like y-o-u-n-g 
G-H-I, no, I'm just um, And yeah, for me, that was, I was just like, I was like, at some point, someone is like, like along the, the chain of command is, is like making the decisions for like what is and what isn't like God's voice or something like that. And at that point, I was just like, it's not worth it for me. I'm out. <laughs> but yeah. Lots of stuff there. Yeah. A lot of experience. One of the things recently, and Josh and I were talking about before, actually you guys showed up tonight, I was listening to a podcast with uh, Penn Gillette was on it with uh, Pete Holmes, and he's uh, he's an atheist, and Pete Holmes is a Christian-ish guy, <laughs> ish, and they're talking about this topic uh, for qu- quite a bit in the middle of their, I mean, he is, his podcast, by the way, You Made It Weird. It's like two two and a half hour podcast, very long. It, it takes you days to complete one, uh, but they're fun because Pete's funny, and he always brings interesting guests in. So Pin uh, was saying, you know, if someone asks me if I'm if I'm agnostic or atheist, he's like, I, I have two different answers, and one is this epistemological, like how things are the beginning of things, like the origin of things, right? In that in that in that sense, like he's like, yeah, like I'm I don't want to offend my Christian friends, so like clearly, like. Um, um, you know, I'm agnostic, right? So what about your heart of hearts? Like who, you know, and there's a theological question. Are you, he's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not an atheist. I'm an, you know, I I can't, there's no God. So I'm, is there a difference between like, I, I don't know epistemologically, right? I mean, we, we could all say that, right? I, I don't know. God hand and go down and, and write this Torah like we we all thought we can look back and we can look at form criticism and redaction criticism and all the things of the scholar you know the scholars have done throughout the years and say I don't know right epistemologically I have no idea but then the theological question is a different question your heart of hearts and this is where Pete and him would differ and Pete was like yeah I'm a Christian like in my heart of hearts I'm agnostic epistemologically but I'm a Christian theologically is there a difference with y'all at all? With y'all at all? You like that? Is there a difference there? Or do you see it as like, oh, they're just parsing out things in, in a way that is not relevant? Wait, uh, could you define for some of us epistem- epistemology? Epistemology, yeah. so like is the, the, or, the origin of thought, the origin okay. of how things exist, the origin of how this belief came to be. And so, and you were saying like, clearly, right? The Bible was not written by God. It was, you know, it was written by certain people in a certain place in a certain time. That's hermeneutics. I mean, this is, these are just fancy words, people. We all know, I mean, literature, any literature, whether we're talking about something that I wrote down on my Facebook post today or something that Shakespeare wrote or something that, you know, was written in 2000 years ago. There's somebody behind that. There's a culture behind that. Amy Erickson talks about that a bit in her last podcast. So we can say, I don't know. I maybe, maybe not. That's agnostic, right? I don't, could be God, could be theologically. This is where, you know, Penn Jillette's saying that's a different question. That is in, that's in the core of your being. What's ticking there. Right. And, and he, and he would say, no, I'm an atheist. Right. Um, but he says that he's, so this guy says I'm atheist to all people. Because I just don't want to offend Christians. Like clearly, I'm agnostic, 
but I don't want to offend people by, by using the word agnostic. So I just say, say atheist, right? To, make, to sort of make it whatever. Like the label is the label. It is what it is. But there is that question of like theologically, like really like who, who are you? Why are you here? What makes you tick? What's beyond you? What's within you? What's around you? What, do you, what are you in? And that's the theological question. It's, and it sounds more spiritual. It sounds more like mystically Richard Rohr if we want to get like in the labels. <laughs> the universal Christ. Um, well, yeah, what do y'all think about that? Are there two different answers for you guys? I mean, it almost sounds like Calvinist. You know, like it isn't. But like it almost sounds like there's this like chosen set of beliefs inside you that like is your crystallized self or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean... Ah, I'm so bad at holding the mic up to myself. Okay. Yeah. I think like for me, that's a really difficult one. I don't know if I view it in terms of like theologically epistemological, I can't even say it. Epistemological. Epistemological. The logical part is hard to tack on to epistemology. Okay. Um, Yeah. I think, hmm. I think for me, I, I, I think I'm very, I feel very agnostic like at heart in terms of like, I care deeply about the present and the people in my life. I don't know. That's not necessarily agnostic, but like, I feel, you know, I think if, if, if I'm talking about like where I drive a lot of like what makes me tick, it's like my present moment, my, uh, community that I'm in, the people that I'm in relationship with, um, the work that I'm doing, um, the problems that are in my life. Like, I feel like I usually just point to that stuff as like the stuff that makes me tick. I don't know if there's necessarily may, I mean, there is like in a lot of ways, I think Christian morality and like a Christian, a Christian ethical structures is somewhat like, um, heavily has heavily guided my life. Like, I don't think I live like I did, you know, eight years ago or something. Um, but yeah. And I think, yeah, I think like, epistemologically I it varies because like I'll you know I'll go play drums at a church like on a Sunday and I am helping people worship you know like I am participating in I'm yeah I'm like I'm like helping perpetuate like this thing that I really don't believe in you know um but at the same time like I I do think like my my roommate and I have this like joke where we'll say to each other like how's your heart because like he's an atheist. I'm an agnostic, but we both grew up in a Christian environment where it's like, that's how you talk to people. And like, there's a lot of like Christian elements in like, I think my life and, um, yeah, but I don't think in terms of, in terms of what is actually true or what, what I actually believe is fact. I think I'd probably just like transfer to science, like what we actually might know, you know, data wise or something. I actually kind of like that question. I mean, because I think, I think that the like Brene Brown and some of the other current research we have is asking someone, how's your heart is actually a really healthy place to be. Like there are healthy parts that we could find from our Christian journeys that are actually good psychologically and self care wise, good things to ask and reflect on. Um, but yeah, it has, it still carries that baggage of, where is this coming from? And yeah, quickly. I mean, it's always ironic when we, when we, we we ask each other that to get into a serious conversation, but it's always ironic uh-huh. because it's like when we, when we say, you know, how's your heart? It's like, 
there's like this Christian subtext to that question. Right. But right. It's, a, it's a good question. Like, yeah. I don't know if I can answer your question right now, Ryan. I'm chomping at the bit over here because um, I'm going to sound like an asshole to some people. But I mean, hey, I'm in a season of being me. So it is what it is. Um, Just so you know, listeners, Joshua is the least assholey person I know on the planet, except maybe I Rob. So, very true. I Rob, Rob Carroll. You've heard both these guys before. Both non assholeish people. I appreciate that, but I definitely, you know, uh, I just got to be be honest with where, with what you were saying, Ryan, with um, the podcast that you listened to, and how the guy was like, you know, atheist because he didn't want to offend Christians, but then, you know, he was here. I feel like that's the most disingenuine place you could be. Um, in fact, I say that because I feel like that's where I've been. Um, and fuck that <laughs> straight up. Fuck that. Because I, 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 I never want to be something for somebody else again. And that's just where I'm at in life. Like I never want to be something that, um, is contingent on the way somebody else views me. I feel like it's super, super important for people today to really be who they are and what Amen. they feel in their heart of hearts and like where they're at, whatever that is, you know? So, I mean, for me, I had to let go of the way I felt Christians felt about me. Like I have so many Christian people that have been so close to me in my life that it was hard as hell to let go of their approval. Like there's a pastor that I sat under for years that I still think about to this day that, I mean, it's hard to, to just wonder what does he think about me? You know, there's, there's other people like mentors and close people that I was in groups with that to this day, I wonder what do you, what do they think about me when I, if they were to really ask where I'm at, what would they think? And the honest answer is if I was honest with them, they would want nothing to do with me. They would ostracize me probably. Probably. I don't want to put that on everybody, but that that's the reality. And so I had to make a choice on who am I and what do I want to be? And being two people is not two separate people for different people for that reason is not who I could be anymore. And so with all due respect for, for the people out there, and there's a lot of you who who have those two identities that they can play back and forth with. I mean, this is coming from the ultimate chameleon, the ultimate person who has shaped my life around the people around me. Um, I don't think that's healthy. I don't think it's good and I don't think it's right. Um, so for me, agnosticism is, is such a beautiful label and a beautiful place because it, it brings people into a place of unknowing, a place of, um, green and wide pastures. Like you can come to this place and, and, and be in community with somebody who's on the opposite side of the spectrum. Cause Sawyer over here was saying that he is on the agnostic side. That's less spiritual. In fact, probably non-spiritual, but when, when you and I come together, Sawyer, it's, it, we don't feel that difference. We don't feel that separation because the agnostic idea is what brings us together. So it doesn't matter what side of the spectrum you're on for some weird reason. This label is like the most inclusive label label I've ever come across. And so I think it's important that people 
really are true to themselves. And I feel like in this day and age where knowledge is abundant and, and technology has given us the ability to know more than we've ever been able to know as an individual person ever before, it's important that we find a space that's, that's more open, that allows us to grow a little bit more, you know? So, I mean, that's just my take. I, I do want to quickly, I don't, this might be challenging what you're saying, or it might be just clarifying like the differences here, but I, cause I, I see what you're saying about like, okay, we don't, we don't need to like play in to different labels or for different communities or something like that. But at the same time, I do think there's like a lot of value that I receive. Like if I'm talking to like someone who I, who I knew as a Christian, like I have a few friends who are still, who've like gone really deep in like the, I mean, not fundamental Christian, but like more like, you know, evangelical Christian where I still have like spiritual conversations with where I, they know I'm, I'm agnostic. I'm, I'm very materialist, but they still talk in, in, in their language and I listen and speak in mine. But, but I, I, I understand like, and I, I think that there's a, uh, a connection point in, in talking about like, I'll, I'll like talk about like, okay. So like if your language around what you're talking about, like with what you're working through with your week is like, God told me this or God told me that, like I'll still like, I still think that's like super valuable and want to have those conversations, you know? And I think that's, that's a, it's an interesting thing where like, I'm willing to, to, to give up my, like, oh, I'm not going to like use the G word in this conversation. It's like, like, I'm willing to give that up to have the conversation because I think it's, it's more about like what's going on than like the, whether that's from God or just like your psyche or something. I think I see what you're saying. Um, I, I really, to be honest, just think my, my only point is being true to yourself is the most important thing for me in this argument. And if you can't be true to yourself, if you have to be something different for, for different people, then you're not being true to yourself. And so I'm all for meeting people where they're at. I, I, I'll be the first to admit I struggle more nowadays talking with Christians than I would anybody else. However, my, my biggest struggle is the fact that I know where Christians stand and I know where they, where they box themselves in. And so it's harder for me to, be, to have open dialogue with a Christian even though I'm open to it, you know what I'm saying? But it's, I, I find value in the importance of, of being true to yourself and where you're at over trying to connect with somebody. And that's just where I'm at in life. Like I know that it's super important to be connected to people and community and stuff, but I'm just at a place where I value myself and where I'm at more than how I come across to somebody, you know, and how they interpret me. And it's, it's hard because I know there are certain people that can't, I can't connect with but I don't know how to get around that when I have to choose either valuing where I'm at the most or valuing the connection that I want to make with somebody, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. And I think it's important to point out that, that we probably have four different personality types sitting around the table. And, and I think that plays a lot into these conversations. I know I have friends that can, can even go farther than you do in like speaking the language and 
um, entering into the space and kind of playing the game. And that's totally fine with them. It doesn't cause them any sort of angst at all where I'm more in Josh's camp of like, this is what you get. And if you can't handle it, well, then I don't, I guess we'll have to figure that out, but I'm fine being who I am. And that's just, I think that's different. It also maybe comes to at certain points in the journey of like, like that may change over time and that may be variable. Um, but I think, I think it's one of, that's one of those elements that, that kind of varies with who you are and that's okay. There need to be people that can talk to some of those conservative evangelicals because I can't do it very well anymore. I think it's it's still important that yeah we uh, we find a, a, some kind of a common ground to, to talk, and I think that's a big part of obviously what we do, what, what why we exist, and and so forth. So with agnosticism, uh, to be woke, to be um, yeah, I mean. To be woke, hey, hip, I'm hip, I'm cool, taka, 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 hey, Scotty, what's the movie am I referring to? I'm hip, I'm cool, taka, taka, Awesome Powers. Awesome powers. There we go. I, I we, almost had it. Janelle got Awesome Powers, there we go. Uh, it's a Christian movie. Christian movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not playing oh, man, not everybody's <laughs> mic'd up right now for you listeners, so you're not hearing the backside commentary right now. Oh, man, um... Um, so fu- functional, so functional theology to, which is really like is, because to to function right is the idea of being woke is to, is like this is who I am this is why I'm here I'm I'm awakening to like these things that I once adhered to that once were, were that I was clinging to that were clinging to me they don't they don't have any I'm not enslaved to them anymore right that's kind of what this is so wh- what are the what are the ideas of God clearly that are dismissible that we've talked about. Omnipotence would be one, um, that, that, that God wrote this thing from the sky, this book is now in human hands in the 21st century. We've talked about that. Um, but gender, yeah, gender, Janelle, you brought that up. That was huge. I mean, so all these ideas clearly we can all say, and maybe you out there who are listening, you can say, I agree with all that as well, but you still cling to a deity. So what, what if it's just that, you know, maybe God is a, is is God one of us? Is God? Is God, is God I mean, this is crazy. It could, maybe God is one of us, but I mean, we we've made God in our own image already. I mean, we've all we've all done that. In in different cultures have done that. Different religions have done that. Uh, but when we when we talk about the God that we don't like, like what what are we even talking about when we talk about God? For one, which we've we talk about the modern ideas of that, but when you talk about atheism, let's go to the extreme. Like atheism says there is no God. But really, the God that, that that atheists dismiss is the God that all of us, Christian agnostic alike, would say that we would all dismiss. Okay, mm-hmm. so where does that leave us in the middle? Is is there a kind of deity that we could say, yeah, we hold on to that, um, but you just don't want to call it a deity. You don't want to call it a God. Would that be a universal principle foundation of uh, common um, symbiotic? goodness uh is this i mean what what is the thing that we can cling to that we can say we're not going to call it god but some would say it is god you know and is that even is that dismissive to orthodox christianity right to 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 make god that universal so to speak 
Well, I think one of the problems that we have in the way the church talks about God is that we, especially evangelicals, that's my background, is that we treat God as very fragile. That if that we can't change the translation of the text because then we're going to lose something about God because God's not powerful enough to preserve themselves in the text. That I could lose my salvation by going to the wrong movie because there might be something in there that disrupts Jesus living in my heart. Um, that that by questioning, by having a doubt that Jesus can't handle that. I think that's that's one of the things that's kind of been stirred up in me lately is we talk about an all-powerful God that sees and knows everything that created the universe, but then we treat our relationship with him like it's so fragile that it can't withstand anything. And that's a problem. If I really believe in a, in a be a being or essence or whatever that is powerful enough to do the things that we attribute to them, then that thing is not afraid of my questions, my screw-ups, um, my failures. That thing doesn't need me. That thing doesn't need the King James Version of the Bible. Um, that being is is willingly living in a relationship with me and is going to walk through that. And is And I'm trusting from what they've said that they will be there no matter what. And that, to me, seems like a big hinge in this equation do we really believe that God is as powerful as we've described them to be? Or are we just using this as a social control mechanism? That's, that's a critical piece for me. I think I would, I would like to ask, um, why is it that the God that I'm familiar with is stuck in a box? Um, because, that's the Christian God to me. It's, it's stuck in a box. It's, it's very much, this is the way it is. You require worship of me in order to connect to you. (laughs) You require certain action from me in order to connect to you. And it's, it's this very rigid idea of what our source is. And, I think it is important to note that if we want to talk about God and use a father and mother figure as an example, fine, let's go there because I'm a father. And and I'll tell you right now, I don't want my children to be robots. I don't want them to just follow everything that I say and do everything I do and become a carbon copy of me. Like there's a part of me that looks at my children in awe. And wants them to become a very unique, like, individual that is apart from me. And and I can't, there's been so many times where I've looked at my children, and, and even now when I'm writing my book, I've written letters to my children and, and begging them to be themselves apart from me. And if that's my heart as, like, a simple human being... Like it begs the question for me, like what could the heart of our creator really actually like, what are the limits of that? What are the limits of that? And I used to have a limit on that. And for, and now I, I just can't, I can't see a limit to what my connection could look like there, you know? And so I, I'm really just big on taking 
the idea of God and, and, and breaking down the foundation of what we think it has to be, you know, um, because that's, that takes the power from our creator and puts it on us. And I really think that's why we have this idea of God in a lot of senses that looks like the leaders of history, that looks like the kings and the rulers of history. I mean, there's stories in the Bible where God literally is like, really, that's what you want? Okay, I'll give you a leader. I'll give you a leader to, to fill your need. I think we miss that because there's those stories in the Bible is, is the creator giving something that humanity wanted. So I think we've taken that idea of a leader, of a overruler of this, this patriarch person and, and taken all those qualities that we see fit that make sense to us. And we've placed them all on God. And that's just, that's scary to me. It's scary to me that, that, that God is so boxed in that we can't think of him as a woman. We can't think of God as a child, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's difficult for me. So is this agnostic guy that you are wanting that you're actually, that you're experiencing, if you will, I don't want to, I don't want to assume things. Is that a flexible God? Is it a, is it a guy that, that is changing, that is based on whatever humans are experiencing? It's a good question. Um, and I can only speak for me personally because I've come to learn that agnosticism isn't my label. It's something I share for me. I'm, I'm, I'm really just trying to tune in to how it all works into the nature of things into the structure of things, a breaking point or not a breaking point, but a breakthrough for me in my book was coming up with how I'm going to outline it. Instead of chapters, I decided to outline it into four parts and each part being based on a season like summer, spring, fall, winter. And the reason for that is I've, I, in my life have experienced so much of that cycle of rebirth, of flourishing, of dying, of painful death and burial and then rebirth again. Um, I've experienced that so much in so many ways that I kind of feel there's this, this, there's this relationship that I don't quite understand when I try to put God as a specific thing. And so, yeah, for me, like my relationship with God is being open to the fact that maybe God isn't all good or maybe our source isn't all those happy, fluffy things we would like to think it is. Maybe in order to have true life, we have to experience real death. And I won't go too into it because of time, but like I'm experiencing true death with my marriage falling apart with experiencing a separation that I never thought could ever happen to me. But I'm also at the same time simultaneously like experiencing life in a new way. Like through the death, seeing that life could, could be transformed and be brought about in a new way. And so my relationship with God right now is a very you know, teeter totter thing to where I can't really feel comfortable with it. I can't feel comfortable with my relationship. 
but at the same time, like I have to be okay with that um, because that's my reality. That's just where I'm at. Yeah. Um, so the question was like, what are the, what is the thing that we can all kind of point to? Yeah. If, if we knock down all the, the stuff that's maybe more obvious or something like that. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's hard. Like, I don't think I, I really think about God that much. Um, or, or just haven't in the past couple of years. Um, like there, there, there's definitely times where like, I'll be like, like recently when I was like, I was like cooking, I was like chopping onions. I was like, dang, like, I just really like this right now. And this feels like a spiritual moment, but like, that was like last week. I, was, I don't know why that is just chopping onions. Yeah. I was crying. That's just, no, I'm just <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I'm not sure if like, um, it's a really interesting question. I don't, maybe I think I, I need to think about it more because like when we, when we talk about values that we're aiming towards that to, to cross the like different communities, to, to, like interfaith values, stuff like that. Um, if it's, if there isn't, if there aren't values or, uh, that are absolute or part of maybe like God or, or they are God or whatever that thing is, you know, then it is a like, well, what is it? Is it like a, is it, is there, a, is it power? Is it like, is there, are there people, is it like a castle in the sky or some disconnected, unrooted thing that we're going towards? I think especially with, you know, current politics and, um, social values and like in, in some way, like I can conceive someone saying like, well, why should we try to preserve the earth in a very cynical way? You know, like, unless there's like some inherent value there. So I think I like, I, yeah, I I don't think about it too much, but I think I would probably point to, to something like humans have inherent value as like a, a thing that I would consider a part of like God or like if our definition of God is like <laughs> this thing that's like, yeah, it's like unshakable, uh, rock solid or omnipotent force or for good or something. If I could, I just, um, it triggered something in me, you saying that, and that's, uh, my whole life I was taught that the voice inside my head was God or, or, or the devil. <laughs> One of the two, I had to figure out which one it was. What changed? <laughs> That's terrifying. But on both ends, terrifying. It's the whole like you know, angel and devil on your shoulder. You know, which one are you going to follow? Honestly, though, like a really crazy pivotal moment in my my journey was recognizing the voice inside my head as myself, as my intuition. That changed the game for me. Because the God that I always thought was controlling my life <laughs> kind of disappeared. And I had found this relationship with myself and my inclinations, my intuition, things that were driving me. And I started to name it as myself. And that was very interesting. I'm not saying that that I'm all right on that, but I guess for me... Um, finding that as a different voice really brought about new questions on what my relationship with, with myself could really be. 
And I think that's where my spiritual journey has taken me is kind of, I find a weird sense of, um, of agreement with you, Sawyer and spiritually, but I guess it's, it's renaming it's semantics for me too. It's renaming the, the feelings that I've always had and it's connecting with myself instead of connecting with something outside of myself. And to me, I can, I can, I'm okay with that. I have peace that that could be connected to my source or to God or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I'm more focused on what that could look like as just being myself and where that could take me. Well, I hope this conversation takes you and your community to a new place. This was fun for us here. Again, totally different conversation tonight than the last two weeks, so appreciate you guys around the table here. Sawyer, Josh, Janelle, this was fun. Cheers to new beginnings, new awakenings, and if you like what you heard, share it on the line and rate or review it on iTunes. We're on Podbean. You can find us in all different kinds of places. If you're listening now, that means you found us. So hashtag Ruthiology, and we will see you on the other side. Peace.